first six verses. Are we doing all right? Okay. St. John, the 16th chapter, first six verses. Well, you're finding that. We appreciate our visitors tonight. It's really been quite a help to us. We just appreciate it. Good to see Brother Gary back with us again. Praise the Lord. We miss everybody that's not here, especially for so long a time. <laughs> he should be back refreshed and ready to get right on the battlefield and gird up our loins for us. This uh, Sunday, Brother Kirby Tiller will be with us. He'll be have the Bible lesson Sunday morning as well as be bringing the Sunday evening message. He's an old-time Pentecostal individual, loves the Lord, and you're going to love him. Praise the Lord. You, he starts off like a Baptist and ends up like a Pentecostal. Amen. Takes him a while to get, get going, but when he does, it's hard, hard to stop him. Let's read from the first verse. These things have I spoken unto you, that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. These things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you askest me, Whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hast filled your heart. Father, we thank you tonight, and it's such a privilege to stand in your presence, such an opportunity, Master, to come and present our bodies a living sacrifice to you tonight. We thank you, Master, for life. We thank you for the promise of eternal life. We thank you, Father, because you saw us one day floundering, drowning, and you came and lifted us and gave us life and that more abundantly. Father, we pray tonight that you'd breathe on your word. We pray that you would have your way. Pray that it uh, would come under the unction and anointing, that it would lodge into hearts, Father, and we could recognize even more so how much you love us and how much you care for us. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If there was a title for the message tonight, it would simply be looking past or looking beyond sorrow. Jesus was discussing with his disciples his soon departure. And if you'll notice when I read there, his father's hearts were so filled with sorrow that they didn't even ask whether goest thou. And if they had been able to look beyond their sorrow, Jesus could have revealed at that one time his complete program to, thee, to them. And instead he had to say, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them. You find that in verse 12. Being in the hospital from about 6 o'clock this morning till close to noon, I... I don't know if you'd call it an opportunity or not, but sitting in the surgical floor, watched sorrow almost everywhere. Hardly any 
any place for joy, saw a family lose their loved one, didn't make it through surgery, and sorrow filled their hearts. Others were sitting there uh, just wondering what was going to happen to their loved one, and you watch young and old as their tears rolled down their eyes, and you could see actually you was more than ever before living in a world simply that's filled with sorrow. Now, sorrow will blind us to the better things that God has for us if we're not careful. Then leaving there and coming by the funeral home, I saw the sorrow of the McFarland family losing a loved one. All of us have underwent that, and certainly as you look in the world today, it's sorrow everywhere. Now, this word comes from the Greek word lupio, which simply means grief, distress, disappointment, and pain. And actually, what he was saying, they were so sorrowful, and they were so disappointed, and were so hurt and so grieved and so distressed, that they didn't even think to ask Jesus where he was going. And had they been able to look past their sorrows at that time, they could have asked him where he was going, what he had for them, and what benefit they could have received from knowing the fullness of God. I thought as I looked at that this evening, I thought perhaps sorrow probably blinds us and dims our vision of the full program of God more than any one thing that plagues humanity. And I think there's a plea that's in the word of God that almost every scripture seems to scream out is God is asking us to look past the sorrow of this present world even when it enters into our home and when distress is there, disappointment's there, and grief is there, and hurt and pain, and he asks us to look past that and beyond that and look full in his face and catch a glimpse of his full program for humanity. I simply believe that that's about the only way that a Christian can exist. You see, we're not immune to the sorrow that fills the world. Our loved ones come and go, they die, we feel pain, we see, see sickness and uncertainties of this present life, and the distress seems to crowd in around us, just like it does anybody else, even those that don't know God. But the advantage we have is simply the abilities, and I think God pleads with us. I think he begs us. I think there's something inside of the scriptures that scream out at us to look past the sorrow of this hour, look full in the face of Almighty God, reach up and get a hold of something that is stable in a world that's teetering and rocking, and get a hold of that unchanging hand of God, look in his face and in his word, and find the full program of Almighty God and this way, and only this way, are we able to anchor our souls in the promises of Almighty God and be able, in spite of our inability to understand what is happening to us, still believe God just the same, still hold on to his precious promises, and still see the final end of humanity. You see, sorrow clouds our vision. And that's not to put down anybody. Sorrow clouds our vision. For a moment, we're not careful. Sorrow will cloud 
the view of the eternities of God. Hurt and pain and distress will dim our vision and we can't see much farther than the mud hole, so to speak, and the cesspool of misery that we're in right then. And that's why Jesus challenged them and said, You have been so sorrowful that you have not even asked me where I'm going. Had they have asked him, they could have got an overview of everything that Jesus was going to do, and they wouldn't have been sorrowful anymore because he told them it was necessary for him to go away. He would be leaving them in bodily presence, but when he come again, he'd be able to feel the whole being of everybody that was there. And if they could have understood this, sorrow would have never filled their hearts. And then my mind was brought to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, where it says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, what this is saying here, and it's not news to you, that there's witnesses that standing crying out that it can be done. There's individuals that's run the race before, took off the armor and laid it down, and there's a silent witness to us that you can run this race with patience, that you can make it in, that in spite of the abuses heaped upon you, in spite of the pain and disillusion of this present world, in spite of the hurts and all of this, and in spite of the sorrow that is ours for a moment, there is still the ability within a soul to reach out and get a hold of God's unchanging hand and make it into the kingdom of God, regardless of whatever devil in hell wants to say about it. We still have the privilege and the ability. And he said, run this race with patience. And he tells us how. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, when we're looking to Jesus... We're not just looking to see him visibly, but we're looking to him to see how he coped with the same things that we're coping with. And he being our example, and if he can show us how he coped with the things in his life, how did he cope with his crucifixion? How did he cope with his rejection? How did he cope with the pain of a lacerated back? How did he, he cope with those that were hurling the accusations in his face and he still had the ability to say, God, don't lay this sin to their charge. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How did he cope with sorrow, disappointment, grief, and distress? And the Bible tells us here, we look to him. How many of you know you have to look to Jesus for an answer? I mean, we're just wallowing around in this world. We have no direction. We don't know where we're going, how we're going to get out of it. And we get into problems and trouble, and the Scriptures direct us to Jesus and say, looking unto Jesus, the author, that's the beginning of it, and the finisher of our faith. In other words, he's able to start it, and he's able to finish it. And then he tells us what Jesus did when he said, who for the joy that was set before him. Not for the joy he was receiving then. There wasn't any joy with the stripes being laid on his back. A back lacerated the ribbons. 
He got no fun out of them people that he had healed and, and lived a perfect life before them and they was rejecting him. There was no joy in that. There was no joy in his Gethsemane. There was no joy in his crucifixion. There was no joy in none of that. But Jesus had the ability... And he is our example, as he says, looking unto Jesus. Now let's find out what he did, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross and despised the shame, and looked beyond the sorrow that was actually his, and realized there's a brighter day coming on the other side. Hallelujah. It belonged to him. You see, we have the abilities to look beyond this present day. I couldn't exist. I'm going to be truthful with you. I couldn't exist if I looked at this life today and said, is that all there is to it? I mean, is this all I'm going to see? Sickness and death and pain and divisions and departure of loved ones and the adversary doing everything he possibly can. Is this all there is to it? When we bow our knee to pray, we search for an answer. The heavens seem to be sealed of promise. We don't seem to have any. And yet the good book of life asks us and bids us to get a hold of the Word of God by faith and look into the future as to what God has prepared for His children and grab a hold of the thing and grit our teeth and sink our teeth into the Word of God and declare to the devil that you know where you're going and you won't be satisfied until you get there. In other words, he's saying Jesus looked past the sorrow, endured the cross, despised the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look beyond what was going on in his life. Jesus could never have made it had there not been a realization that he was fulfilling God's will. That this was part of a necessary walk of life. And Jesus was enduring a lot of things he wouldn't have had to endure with but one exception. That he was not only called to be our Savior, he was not only called to be our High Priest, he was not only called to be our King, but he was called and born to be our example. And so without undergoing these things that he did, he could have set no example before us. But we have an example. We have an example of Jesus. And I still say that's the only way we have out of a world of sorrow is looking unto Jesus. Fasten our eyes to him. Look beyond this veil of tears. Get a hold of his hand and walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil, realizing that Jesus is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. And he wants us to see that in sorrowful times because what he's wanting to do in these times is talk to us. How many of you know you grow in the valley? Amen, you grow in the valley. I mean, you learn faith there. You learn trust there. You get past sight. You can't see anything there. You get past sight. You get past feeling. You can't feel anything there. A lot of times you're feeling for him. He's not even there. And this brings us then with trust and reliance upon what we still have, the divine word of God. If God said it is so, and he's asking us to get a hold of it, sink our teeth into it. That's why when everything else has gone down, when all of man's trickery, and when all of the things that he's doing today, and all of this has failed to do 
what it's supposed to do to a Christian world, the Word of God is still going to be beneficial. It's still going to take its place. And God is asking us. I think He's pleading with us. He is with me, and I think He is with you to sit down in the midst of that sorrow, realizing it will come, and let Him reveal to you right then His divine plan of the future. He'll cloud your mind. I know He will. If you're not careful, when you look, and I thought as I talked to one of the young people there, uh, as they just lost their loved one, just happened to be there, and uh, I said, yes, but uh, this is not all of it. And the young man said, I don't know but what it is. You see, he said, I've always thought about that, but said, when this time comes, I begin to doubt in my soul whether there's ever going to be a hereafter or not. He said, I've prayed, I've cried, I've asked, and death is still here. You see what I've got. And he said, I don't know if it's going to be any better or not. So you see, it's miserable in that state. You can't hardly exist in that state. And God is asking us to believe Him. God is asking us to get a grip on Him. God is asking us to trust Him. He knows what's going on in our life. He knows every step we take. He knows every sorrow we undergo. He knows every pain and bitterness that goes through our lives. And I've said it before, He knows it because He's been there before us. And not only has He been there before us, but He is so gracious that He comes back and walks with us through that same path again. Hallelujah. Amen. He doesn't leave us to walk. He walked before us. He showed it it could be done. And then in our hour of calamity, he comes and said, I'll walk there with you. You know, through the valley of the shadow of death, man can't go any farther. Jesus said, I'll walk through it with you. And he comes back to another, and I'll walk through it with you. Comes through confusion, I'll walk through that with you. Disappointment and pain and sorrow and abuse, he comes and said, I'll walk through this with you. I'll not take you out of it, but I will walk through it with you. And when you go through it, you're going to be the stronger individual and have more belief in me than you've ever had. I don't know about you, but I found that to be so. I read a story immediately connecting with that in St. Luke 18, 23, and it's an old familiar story. When this young man comes and asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, of course, Jesus tells him what he has to do, obey the commandments. And this young man says, These have I kept from my youth up. And Jesus looks at him. I've said this before. Now, this type of individual any church would be glad to have because he's kept every commandment, he says, from his youth up. But Jesus looked at him and said, Yet lackest thou one thing. Now, we wouldn't like that too much, would we? When we stand before God and we say, But I've done everything I can. And God looks at us and says, you still lack one thing. And he looked at that young man and he said, sell all you have and give it to the poor. And this challenged the young man, and the Bible says he went away sorrowful. In other words, sorrow clouded his view to the fact that the treasures in this world will corrupt and be moth-eaten, that that which is laid up in the kingdom of God is forever. And it clouded his view to that, and that's why he was sorrowful. If some way he could have looked past the sorrow of that time, past the pain of giving up what he thought was his life, past the pain and disappointment as he looked in the eyes of Jesus and thought he had it made, when he said, I've kept every commandment, if he could have looked past that 
and realized Jesus wasn't asking anything he couldn't do. He just said, sell all you have. It'll corrupt and moth will eat it anyway and lay your treasures up into the kingdom of God. If he could have understood that, if he could have looked past the sorrow of his time and understood that, then he wouldn't have been lost. But the Bible says he walked away sorrowful. In other words, you might be able to say here that sorrow clouded his view so much that he never made it into the kingdom of God. Now, that's maybe that's going a little far, but I think that's what the Scripture says. He must have been a very good young man, obedience to the law, keeping the letter of the law, and yet Jesus was asking him the one thing that he wasn't able to give. And he become very sorrowful about that. And let's stop here a minute and see whether we have been asked tonight to give something we're not willing to give. I mean, we can come to God and we can plead our religion. We can plead our morality. We can plead our faithfulness, so to speak. But yet God might be saying, as far as that's concerned, to please me to its fullest, you still lack one thing. And if we're not careful, we become sorrowful for that because God has not accepted us in our morality. In our morality. And sorrow could cloud our heart and our life and we can't see the benefits of giving up what God has asked us to give up. God never asks you to give up a thing but what is going to be beneficial to your spiritual life. It may seem harsh and it may seem hard in the reasoning of man but he'll never ask you to do anything or lay aside anything or pick up something but what is beneficial to your spiritual life. And it will enhance you. But this man became so disappointed, he couldn't look past anything at all. He only saw the future, or the present. That's all he saw. And our lives are very poor lives, isn't it, tonight, if that's all we see is the present? I mean, we look around, and how many unanswered prayers have you got so far? How many times you've been to the knee and cried out, and it seemed like the walls just didn't let your prayer go through, the heavens were sealed, Caught in the cobweb someplace in the ceiling, you think. And to live this life looking at what we see tonight in our lives. All those uh, small amount of joy here and there. But if we're going to live our life with justice, Paul said, if in this life only I have hope in Christ Jesus, I am of all men most miserable. In other words, Paul was saying, I've got to look past the torment past the disappointment, past the grief of this time, and get a vision on what God has laid up in store for me. I'm sure Paul's life was a life of misery. You follow him through the Bible. A life of hurt. A life of being put down. A life of disappointments. A life of grief. As he watched one fellow soldier after another being taken in for the snares of the devil. Looking around and disappointed because so and so Demas that followed him for so long has forsaken me. He said, having loved this present world. On and on you could go of individuals had it slacked off in their uh, enthusiasm for Almighty God. And Paul, disappointed, could have sat down and said, if they can't make it, how can I? That there was something about this man, and I'll say it again. He was addicted to the task that he had. Nothing could separate him. He was seeing beyond what was in his face right then. He was seeing an eternity with Almighty God. I'm sure if he would have said in his jail cell, and said, is this all there is to life? He would have never written a letter. 
We would have never had those books that he's written. We would have never had the courage that he passed on to us. But he looked past sorrow. He looked past his present life. Another story that really grabs your heart is when Martha in St. John eleven twenty one. then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Mary said almost the same thing. And these were intimate friends of Jesus. And in their sorrow, in spite of the closeness they had with the Lord Jesus Christ, in spite of what they saw and his power to do it, in spite of all of that, for this brief moment of sorrow, where their brother Lazarus dead, they did not understand who he was. The powers of hell and sorrow clouded their life. Disappointment stabbed at them. Grief was there and sorrow was there. And for a moment they looked at Jesus and said, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But if they could have looked past, if some way their eyes that was veiled, a veil could have been lifted, and they could have looked past, they would have realized Jesus said, Thy brother shall live again. And they again did not understand him. They said, I know at the resurrection day he's going to raise again. But if they could have looked past that, they would have realized that the resurrection was not a day. It was a person. And he was standing right there by them all that time. And yet sorrow clouded their vision. And friend, the resurrection is in us right now. Hallelujah. I'm not saying we won't go to the grave. And I'm saying there ain't no grave going to hold this body down. Hallelujah. The body of a saint is destined to rise. And God some way is wanting us to get a hold of that and look past our sorrow, our pain, our disappointment and realize life hasn't ended there. It's just begun. Hallelujah. That's the thing God wants to impress upon us tonight. Just look past the sorrow. It'll fiddle the world. It clouds my heart. And standing right there by them was the resurrection and the life. Right there in their presence. And yet sorrow had filled her heart until they was looking in a far off distant future someplace. And couldn't understand the fulfillment of God's word. Then you have to look at the Emmaus disciples. They was walking away from Jerusalem into the setting sun. And what they said was, but we trusted Notice that past tense. But we trusted. Everything was disappointment. Everything was sorrow. Because they had trusted that it had been him or he that should have redeemed Israel. And then they said, besides all of this, this is the third day since those things was done. And we don't see anything that has happened. And sorrow led them away and they walked toward the sunset away from Jerusalem and instead of realizing the sun was going to rise in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. If they could have realized what he had to say, they'd been able to look past their disappointment, got a hold of his word when he said it just one or two times, enough to let them know that they could have got a hold of that. He said, I'll be there three days and three nights, and on the third day I'll raise again. And as sure as his word was there, he did. But while they was walking away, the sun was shining in Jerusalem. But they said, we had trusted. You see, sorrow sometimes makes us speak in the past tense. But I believed instead of I 
believe. Present tense for right now. And uh, if they had been able to look past their sorrow and their disappointment and their bereavement, they would have believed Mary Magdalene when she, and the other women's report that he was alive. But instead, because sorrow clouded their vision, they seemed as one that uh, they, their words, Mary Magdalene's words, seemed to them as idle tales. You see, sorrow reduces truth to idle tales. Disappointment reduces truth to idle tales. And it seemed as if idle tales, and they didn't believe it. And so it found them walking away from truth. Found them walking away from the only thing that was going to salvage their lives. And you'd be surprised how many, how many good Christians have found the shock of death or sickness or so on like that, and they trusted, had trusted. Their trust and their faith ended because they couldn't see any farther than where they're at right then. Some way they failed to build their confidence in God's Word. Some way when the sun went under the cloud, some way they found it hard to believe that still sun was still up there. I mean, they couldn't see it, but if they would have just believed it was still up there. And some way, somehow, in a world filled with darkness, and we see a little sunlight here and there. And we know that the sun's shining up there. And then the cloud darkens. And we don't see it up there. We've got to get a hold of what God says and realize the sun is still shining. God is still alive. He's still God. And beside Him there is no God. And He's still right there. And He wants us to wipe away the tears from our eyes. Take the clouded vision from our mind and say, God, I don't understand it. But it's all in your hands. I still trust you. I don't would have trusted, but I still trust you. I still believe in you. The Bible tells us in St. Luke twenty-two forty-five, And when he rose up from his prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. That's probably one of the most pathetic scriptures in the Bible. Probably when you look at it, and when you put yourself there, and I, I can't read the Bible and get any good out of it unless I'm there with it. I mean, whenever I read this, and Jesus is in the garden, and I'm sitting there. I'm not with him, but I'm right there with Peter. I'm feeling like Peter feels and John feels, and I'm sleeping with them. And then I'm feeling the sorrow of the, that they feel. Their master suffering in torment and all of this. And the Bible says, He came and found them sleeping for sorrow. <laughs> Those sad hours of the Last Supper, when Jesus spoke to them, the sure consciousness of the coming sorrow that Jesus said was there. All the events of that long evening worked on them and they were predisposed to sleep. They were sorrowful. We're not careful, we'll be sleeping when we ought to be awake. But if they could have looked past their sorrow, if they could have some way got a hold of Jesus' words to realize why he was doing this and where they should have been, and when he called them to fast and pray or to watch and pray, perhaps they could have supplied their Lord with the strength that the angels had to supply. Do you realize what an opportunity Peter, James, and John had? They were called from the inner circle. And Jesus told them to just watch with him an hour. And they could have been really a supply 
to the Lord Jesus Christ in his moment of suffering. They could have lifted his hands. He could have come back and they could have been praying and he could have been inspired by their prayer. Listen, you can inspire Jesus. Did you know that? Jesus is inspired yet today when he sees a saint of God on their knees praying in spite of the adverse condition. He's inspired by this. There's something had to have inspiration. How many of you don't know that? He had to have inspiration. He was occupying a body like ours that wanted to doubt. Or it wanted so bad to doubt. And it wanted to say, I, I, I can't go through this. Notice what he said. If there's any way that you can take this cup from me, take it from me. And he cried out in the agony of his soul. And he needed somebody there to tell him it's all right. We're with you. But they was asleep. And Almighty God, recognizing this human flesh, needed something, sent some angels from heaven. And they spoke with him concerning his demise. And they undergirded him and strengthened him and caused him to be able to complete the task that was before him. What an opportunity missed by mere human beings. God gave it to them. God placed them there. But in their human misery and sorrow, their eyes was blinded to the fact that they could have helped the Master. Let's dwell on that a while. Let's think about that a while. They probably felt like we do today. What good would my prayer do to this one that is occupied by the Holy, Holy God. What good would my prayer do in my confidence? Same question. What does God need with me? We know that we need Him. How many of you know that? But we also ought to recognize that God needs us. You say, how come? Because He has limited Himself to being used are using humanity. He could have done it another way, but he proposed that man would do the job. And that's his law, and he won't go against his law. He's dumped the whole thing in our lap, whether we like it or not, and it's up to us to reach humanity. A lot of us are waiting for a great overflow and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to save souls. It'll never happen. They've got to be saved before he comes. And some way we've got to recognize that we are a benefit to Him. The lowest of us, the least of the saints of God, is beneficial to God. And you'd be surprised how inspired He is when we roll over in our bed at night and say, Jesus, I really do believe You in spite of everything that's happened in my life. I really know that You're going to see me through in spite of how it looks tonight. And regardless how doubting I am, inside in the flesh, inside, my spirit is soaring. And can you imagine how inspired Jesus is? When he looks down and I think he looks at the devil and says, Have you considered my servant there? That they're going to serve me in spite of what you do to them? You see, you opened eyes. Opened eyes, looking past sorrow. Last Supper. 
all of those things. But what an opportunity in spite of asking, his asking for sympathy and prayer, just a hand touch. I think maybe that's all he needed in that hour. You see, he was our example. He needed somebody there to just touch him by the hand, just to show their support and so on. But they slept on. They slept on. Matthew 26, 38, Jesus Christ said, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tell you here and watch with me. As always, as we said, Jesus' example shows us how to look beyond our sorrows. How do we do it? Find us a Gethsemane. Find us a garden. Let our bereavement and our sorrow and our overburdened soul that's lonely, disappointed, hurt, bereaved. Let us find us a garden of Gethsemane and let us go beyond what we've ever went and let us place ourselves on our knees before God and say to Him, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. And when human voice can say that, all sorrow is erased. Then and only then can we look beyond the sorrows, the disappointments, the trials, the troubles, and see the dawning of a new day. Jesus looked beyond his sorrow, and he tells us to look unto him. Find out how he did it. And he did it because he had the ability to project. He wasn't going to live that present day all his life where he was at. He wasn't going to dwell in that misery. He wasn't going to be bogged down in that thing. He wasn't going to allow that to claim his very spiritual life. And so he looks to the joy that was set before him. And this changed his entire outlook on where he was at. So you see, there's one thing we have to do. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 6.10 found this truth when he wrote these words. As sorrowful and yet rejoicing. Hmm. That almost <laughs> seems impossible, doesn't it? How? How are you going to be sorry and yet rejoice at the same time? Well, he wasn't appreciating where he was at. He was sorry that he was there, that these things was happening. But he was rejoicing in the fact that he doesn't stay there. That there is a better tomorrow. And he heads toward that thing. And his life is lit up by the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he says that, looking beyond sorrow, sees God's beautiful design for his life and refuses to dwell right there because he knows that's not the end of it. That's just one of these journeys that you have to walk through. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed. You see, he wasn't any different than we are. Trouble coming from everywhere. And about the time you think you've had all the trouble you can handle, here comes some more. Amen? About the time you look up and say, God, I can't handle any more. He always says, I'll not put in a more than you're able to bear. And here comes some more. And Paul says, we're, we're troubled every place. It's coming from everywhere. It's coming from my friends. It's coming from the outside. It's coming from the inside. It's coming from enemies. It's everywhere. I'm troubled. 
But I'm not distressed because I see something beyond this. I'm a little farther than they think I am. I've got to hold a little bit more. And we're perplexed. You mean that great apostle Paul was standing there and said, I'm a little confused. I don't understand what's going on here. I'm a little bit confused about what's happening. It's no disgrace to get confused. It's no great disgrace to look around and wonder why all of these things. And how's the way out? How do I get out of this? And Paul said, I am perplexed, but I'm not in despair. In other words, I'm confused right now. And if I'll just stand still, I'll see the glory of God. He'll work it out for me. I realize I'm not going to live. I'm not going to die in this state of complexity. I'm not going to die in this state of being confused. It's just something I have to go through because I'm human. But there's a new day dawning on the other side. And he said, I'm not in despair. In other words, this is just the day. Tomorrow's, whew, tomorrow's another day. Hallelujah. Tomorrow's another day. I'm sure he said that on and on and on. And he said, I'm persecuted. Oh, God, help us. Persecuted, he says, but I'm not forsaken. Hallelujah. I like that, don't you? Hallelujah. When it just looks like everybody's got everything bad to say about you and everybody's down on you. And he said, I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. I still know a hand that reaches down and girds me. I still know somebody that guides my pathway. I'm still acquainted with Jesus. And though the world forsake me, Jesus said, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. That's his word. Jesus, I don't see you. I don't know whether you're there or not. But you said you was. And that's good enough. And then he says, cast down. Cast down. This great apostle, this great man of God, sold out to him, and he was cast down. In other words, he was down. He was depressed. Could he get depressed? Yes. He was oppressed. He was cast down. There was low places in his life. He was saved. But he says, I'm not destroyed. In other words, he looked the devil in the face and said, I'm down today. I'm down today. Yes, I am. I'm in this human body. It's got its ups and downs. But there's a brighter tomorrow. I'm going to be up tomorrow because Jesus is going to be there. He says, I'm cast down and I'm not destroyed. He's saying, in other words, devil, you don't have what it takes to destroy me. I am the property of Almighty God. I belong to Him. And they look past this sorrow. Romans 8.18, he says, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Hallelujah. The glory that shall be revealed in us. Romans 8 and 18. See if we can find something there. Romans 8 and 18. You know this, don't you? For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. <laughs> suffering now, see, suffering now. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself 
shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, and not only they, but we ourselves, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. Sorrowful, all of that. And then he points us to 1 Thessalonians 4.13. And he's dealing with something here. Thessalonian Christians looking for Jesus to come any time. Every generation has. And Jesus hasn't showed up. And their loved ones are dying. And they have a question. What's going to happen to those that have died? And Jesus uh, answers that through the Apostle Paul. And he says, I wouldn't have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them that are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others that have no hope. He didn't tell us we wasn't going to hurt. He didn't tell us there wasn't going to be pains of loneliness, sometimes almost unable to bear. He didn't tell us that. But he said, now look. I don't want you to sorrow like others that's died and there's no chance you ever seeing them again. But I've got something for you. Hallelujah. You sorrow now. But he said, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also with sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then he says, But comfort one another with these words. There's no comfort in what the world is saying around you and what's happening around you. And Jesus is saying, if there's any comfort whatsoever, it's in the divine word of Almighty God that sink our teeth into that and believe it and look past the sorrow of our day and get a hold of the unchanging hand of Almighty God and walk through all of these things and get into the blessed kingdom of God and shout victoriously because Jesus, our God, has has promised us life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's easy to get lost in this world. It's easy to get so sorrowful, so pain-ridden, that these promises seem so far away, so far, and sometimes so dim that you wonder, will it ever happen? And Jesus is saying, wipe the tears from your eyes. Wipe the doubt out of it and realize I'm in control here. I'm in control here. And I'm going to see to it that these things are different than they look. Clear eyes from the sorrow. We'll see better. We'll rationalize different. We'll trust Him in spite of the surroundings. It would be nice I suppose if you could come some way with a message that a lot of people come with and say it's all joy and there's no sorrow and there's no thorns and there's no thistles, you know, and everything is just fine. But you know better than that. And I know better than that. And Jesus knows better than that. And he prepared us for a rough and a rocky road in this world. But he's just saying that's just for a moment.
That's really not going to amount to anything compared to the glory that's set before you. It really doesn't mean that much. And so he says, endure. Endure. Endure heartaches for a season. Endure things we don't understand. Go with the Apostle Paul when he said all these things, and yet he comes around and says, but that's not the end of it. And there, you know, it does me some good. Misery loves company. Amen? And it does me some good to know that that old boy, with all his power with God, walks the same path I have to walk. Feels the same way sometimes that I feel. Distressed, lonely, confused, disturbed, and all of those things. He freely admits that he is. I mean, there's no use to stand before a world and tell them that you're, you're, you're not cast down sometimes. That there's not times when you almost hit bottom. That you're not confused and perplexed. You don't understand a lot of things. There's no use of lying to them. All you can say is, yes, it's happened to me. Sure it is. But I've got something better in the future. I don't intend to live this way. This is just one of those things that I'm going to walk through. And on the other side, there's victory. Looking beyond sorrow. Letting God open up what's hidden from view. Would you stand with me? Saul, it's going to be here as long as we're human. We're going to walk quite a life. Everything's not going to be rosy. Sometimes I wonder if there isn't more sorrow, more confusion, especially as we go into the last days. It's hard to find, isn't it? It's hard to find peace of mind for a very long at a time. It pleases, don't please the devil too well. <laughs> does it whenever you kind of find joy and he puts something else before you well just remind him of this you're just passing through hallelujah you want to meet the altar with me just just come on up meet at the altar hallelujah I love him tonight I love him and I haven't seen much today to love him for <laughs> amen no, I haven't. Hallelujah. But I love him because he's God. And because of his promises. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Father, thank you tonight. Hallelujah. You've revealed yourself to us. Father, you've said you were there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. said you wouldn't leave us. Said you wouldn't leave us spared or unfruitful. Hallelujah. Said you'd be with us always, even until the end of the world. Hallelujah. You said we'd walk through darkness, but you'd still be there. Said there'd be trials and trouble, oh God, but you'd still keep us. Father, said our ship would sink sometimes, but you'd bear us up on evil's wings. As you said we'd falter and fall, but you'd still be there by our side. Still lift us up. Father, we glorify you tonight because of that. Master, take us by the hand. Reveal thyself unto us, O God. We mark with thee the clouds of doubt and fear, adversity and all of that. We stand in your presence and we believe you. Hallelujah, we glorify you. We, we reach out into your presence, Master. Thy hand, O God, is the hand of an eternal God. Hallelujah, we worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, we thank you because you're there. Hallelujah, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, your ways past finding out. Master in depths of confusion, 
Master, we still find you faithful. You said you would be. Hallelujah. We pray you touch hearts, oh God. Stir souls, oh God, and move them into your presence. Oh God, move into the heart of a sinner. Cause them to turn to you. Father, and alleviate the pain. Master, the confusion, oh God, it's in our heart. And realize it's just a trip we have to take. Walking through the valley of the shadow. You're still there with us. Father, strengthen our lives and our love towards you. Master, when adversity comes, when tribulation comes, works patience in our soul. Hallelujah. We believe you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We stand in your presence. We glorify you tonight, Master. Take 